You're listening to the Arcade Vaults podcast, where we're chatting all things gaming. Hello and welcome back to the Arcade Vaults podcast where every week we are talking about video games and things that are happening in the video game world. Uh, I'm Chris and Tom, how are you doing? This is Tom, my co-host. We are back. I'm good. <laughs> I've been gone for a long time. Yes. Uh, I went away. There was an island, there was a plane crash, there was a situation... It's a dated TV reference from the noughties, but... Is it dated? I'm back now. Is it a dated reference? Is it Lost? I feel like a Lost reference it is, a is lost, pretty dated. Lost, lost though, isn't right? a dated reference. If Lost is a dated reference, then... Uh, no, I, I was about to say I'm old, but I am old, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you start thinking, like, think about the last five years and how many TV shows have been and gone in that time. Mm-hmm. And then try and put it in terms of how many shows have been and gone since Lost. Oh. I feel like it might be. Yeah, yeah. I hope not. <laughs> Well, to be fair, uh, even if you've been been you know away for a while, uh, we've been a bit irregular with the podcast. But it's not you know there's lots of stuff going on in the world right now. Um, as you can see, we are not in the arcade vaults because we are currently shut down because uh, we are in Wales and Wales is in what's known as a firebreak at the moment. We're all locked in our houses, so uh, I am in my place and Tom, you're in your place. And but we are we are definitely recording this week. We are. We go. We're back. I got. I feel like that. Wait. There's a thing. I think there's a thing that I can do. There's a thing that you can do. Can I do that? There you go. I'm kind of in the arcade. <laughs> Wonder of technology. Uh, there we go. I, I'm, I was, I'm in two minds about doing that myself, but I'm not going to. I think. Uh, I think you, you get the gist. Uh, I think I, I've, <laughs> I've done that. I've done that before in a couple of. Uh, I'm leaving it like this. I'm doing it. You're doing it. Yeah, right, keep it like that. <laughs> um, although it looks like you're kind of floating above. Above everyone, as, as, as a kind of like a, an overseer of the arcade vaults. <laughs> yeah, and like considerably bigger. <laughs> uh, it's all right, it works, it works. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're, we're still kind of doing a sort of usual format for our podcast. We'll be talking about the top stories for a bit, and then we'll, uh, we're just kind of uh, going to break into a bit of retro gaming news specifically now, because, you know, we do have a lot of retro games in the arcade vaults. Uh, we'll go on to our singular talking point, uh, Garrison game trailer, uh, recommendations of the week, and what's been going on at the arcade vaults, which, as I've just said, isn't much, but there are some things happening. So It's simultaneously like not a lot and a huge amount all at the same time, I suppose, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly right. Or, or, yeah, lots of things, then no things, then catastrophic thing, and, and now here we so are. So the way. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll just go right into it. Let's talk about our top stories of the week. So, um, yeah, you know, Tom, you and I haven't had a, a sort of over-the-podcast conversation about uh, all the m- millions of things that have happened in the last, I don't know how many weeks it's been. There have been a lot of things happening. Um we are going to be focused, though. We'll talk about what's been happening in the last couple of weeks. Uh, 
Most of it is involving scummy behaviour from the big, the big names in the. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, you just want to kind of like do that. Do you mean to tell me that that there are elements of the video game industry that are less than savoury? I know. I, it's, Good lord, who'd have thought? I know. It seems. Um, it seems like most of our stories are revolve around three aspects. It's either. Uh, a, a re-release or a remaster or a retro console that's coming out of some sort, scummy behaviour from the big wigs, or it's about the new gaming consoles, next gen consoles that are coming out. You know that that's our that's yeah. our usual stories. But you know, oh, oh, actually, I forgot TV adaptations. Although, uh, oh, TV adaptations, yep, yeah, TV adaptations. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so in this week's, uh, we, I feel like we need a little banner that comes across a scummy scummy report. <laughs> Sky behavior report. Yes, yeah, yeah, like a like a, a title just for yeah. that. Yeah. So in this week's sky behavior report, um, let's start with uh, a long a, a long gestating story about loot boxes. We all know loot boxes are an ongoing saga, um, but uh, apparently in Canada. Those Canadians are, or well, those Canadians. I don't think all of Canada are serious. <laughs> those damn Canadians. Uh, there, are a, there are a couple of, a couple of Canadians. We love the Canadians. We do love the Canadians. We love Canada. Canada's great. Uh, yeah, um, we have a couple of Canadians that are suing EA over loot boxes. Um, so uh, we got a couple of store. We picked this from a couple of different websites, uh, but they've all got it from the same source. It's. Uh, the patch notes. I don't know what the patch notes is. I think it's some sort of legal website. Um, it's a gaming law blog specifically, which is interesting. Oh, that's interesting. A gaming law blog. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the stories come from. Uh, so it's a civil action. Um, uh, basically, these guys bought some stuff in uh, Madden and NHL, and uh, they think that it's an illegal gambling system and uh, the illegal part of their belief comes from the fact that you can buy the stuff without knowing what's inside them and it constitutes gambling and EA doesn't have the license to do that in in Canada anyway and technically not anywhere else in the world anyway. Um, yeah, uh, EA hasn't responded uh, but it's I think this is the big news this is big news because it's like the first civils case. Um, I mean... I know government. I'm, I'm not sure. I, at this point, it almost feels to me like it's call Canada's turn. So there you go. It's their time to have a crack. Um, I know there's been kind of like I don't think there was ever official legal action taken, but there was suggestion and precedent for there to be legal action in the UK, and I don't think everything anything really ever came of it. Um, I want to say ugh, it sounds so general. I stick to say it, but. One of the kind of northern European countries, maybe a Scandinavian country. I think it's Denmark. Like Denmark, yeah, I was gonna say Denmark, Finland, somewhere up there. They kind of went ahead, and I do think that they sort of changed the elements and sort of they did almost set a standard, right? Where I think it might have been Denmark. I could be wrong, and I'm sure somebody will correct me if I am. Um, but whichever, whoever it was, they kind of said, "Cool, this is wrong. This constitutes gambling. There needs to be an element of." culpability to it and and responsibility taken and that did kind of set the standard that in that country if you were to be in fifa for example and buying a loot box it had to tell you the odds of you getting certain products correct, so yeah cool you're gonna buy this the odds are you know in percentages of what you're going to get and that as far as i can tell is now a standard across most of the eu i don't know if it is in the u.s it, 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 i can't imagine it being that like that in the u.s for a considerable yeah time. i mean it definitely is here now oh is, you know um, do they have to yeah, actually say it's well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I went into play FIFA 
before FIFA 21 launch, I went back in just sort of jumping. I've not bought FIFA this year, uh, but I went in and jumped into Ultimate Team just to see what it was like. And I was like, oh, you can actually, there's a button that says, cool, you can go in here, you can see what the odds are. Oh, really? That's um, interesting. But I think, I think it actually has to explicitly say on it when you're buying it in, in certain regions, no, no, these are the odds. Whereas in this country, it's like, cool, you have to make that information available. Or maybe it's something that EA just kind of said, let's just roll it out for the sake if, of argument I mean, I to try and tease it out. But. It's probably going to be easier for them to just roll it out across a region rather than in the specific countries, right, as a patch. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we, we've probably talked about loot boxes before. I, I don't, I don't have an have. inherent problem with the idea of, uh, you know, opening random boxes to give you random goodies. But when it becomes gambling that affects, when you're paying to play, uh, and paid to progress, yeah. which I think was a big thing in Ultimate Team this year, right? A couple of the uh, players said, "You know what? We're just not going to play Ultimate Team because yeah, it's essentially it's, it's not yeah, it's a broken game at that point. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an ongoing discussion. It's one that's not going to go away. Yeah. And what I thought was quite interesting, um, so the I assume we're going to do as we always do. We'll have the links for the kind of articles and news stories in in the uh, description, so you can find them underneath. Um, but there's an article here that we got up from I think it's Eurogamer, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it was Emma Kent Eurogamer, and the bit that got me, um, if I can try and find it, because I don't want to get the wording wrong. Right. So actually, she's highlighted it, and there's a link to a separate article. But it says pretty clearly that the problem that it's had over and over again when people try and take this to court is that the Gambling Commission said that loot boxes cannot be defined as gambling under current laws as the prizes cannot be cashed out. So you're, yes, you're paying money to roll a dice and you'll get something, but that something isn't something that can then be cashed out for money again. And mm. what I find quite interesting about that is, first of all, it doesn't address the bigger issue, which is, no, no, the problem is never about kids gambling and making money or losing money out of it. That is part of it. But a bigger part of it is these kids are doing something akin to gambling. And there are psychological effects to that. There are knock-on effects Absolutely. that these kids are going to have to deal with down the line. Absolutely. Why aren't we addressing that? Mm. Um, so I do feel like it, it's it's going to keep on being this conversation for a while until somebody goes, okay, the argument of it being gambling isn't effective. So either we need to redefine this, like what this is in video games in terms of loot boxes, either it is gambling or it isn't. Is it something else? Is it something that arguably is a little bit more sinister? Because you can gamble your money... And you're definitely not getting it back. You'll get something, but you're not getting the money back. Um, um, that, and I think that's kind of where where it rolls, right? I think yeah. there's versions of this sort of system that's there, but there's a bigger conversation, I think, around the psychology of video games and stuff, where even if you're using in-game currency, if you're using in-game currency that you've worked for hours for in-game to then go and gamble that and to risk it all and either lose it all or win it all, is that inherently going to have the same kind of effects well, okay, yeah, ab- as gambling in a casino. Well, absolutely, absolutely is. And if you think about the fact that there is, there is, it might not be monetary, but there is real-world value to a lot of that in-game stuff. Like you say, you know, you, uh, if you look at, I'm trying to think of um, uh, games that have trading uh, options in there, you know, if you're able to trade more valuable items that you get to other players for, for um, well... I know you're not meant to, but a lot of people do trade them from, for in-game uh, for yeah. out-of-game currency, don't they? Because you know, yeah. so there, there is there is value to it, and then there's, there's the time value that people, how like you say, spend time playing these games. There's absolutely value to it. So, uh, I I think sooner or later, someone someone clever is going to argue the case properly there on, on, on that front, and maybe maybe change people's opinions. Uh, 
until t- until someone calls them up on it, then they're going to keep doing it. So, you know, it's just it makes them money. So why wouldn't they? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's ultimately the developers they're they're still going to be held to account by shareholders, and shareholders are going to sit there going, "Well, we've given you money, we want a return on that. If you're not making the right decisions, mm-hmm. if you don't make the right decisions, we'll find someone who will. And until it's the law, you aren't obliged to do it. <laughs> um, so it's a gross way for business to work, but it is sadly the way the business works. So. Uh, yeah, I just do feel like I get I get the logic that a lot of these arguments are going into. I do feel like we've been dealing with this for so long. The conversation has been had over and over again and always comes to the same one of, well, it's not gambling, gambling. And my takeaway more and more has just been like, this shouldn't be about, don't get me wrong, in terms of whether or not it should be in the game. That's about the money for developers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the people who are victims of it, for lack of a better word, there's a bigger conversation to have there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I brought it up a, on a podcast that I was on a while ago um, because it was brought up in a different podcast I was listening to uh, by Gary Witter, who used to be the editor for PC Gamer for years. Oh, yeah. And he made the point that you can go into a shop and you can buy, I want to say it's one of the NBA games, um, or even Grand Theft Auto. No, Grand Theft Auto is not a good example, but one of the NBA games where you can go in, you can buy the game, it's not rated as an 18 but then the kid's going to go into that game and there's a literal roulette wheel in the game. And the kid is literally gambling yeah. in-game currency. Yeah, yeah. So, well, if a kid isn't allowed in a, in a casino, why are they allowed into a digital casino? Why isn't that game reclassified yeah. as an 18? And why are we playing by one rule here yeah. and, and by another somewhere else? I also else? don't understand why they have a digital casino in, or you know, a roulette wheel in... And it's a basketball game, right? I mean... I feel like, I, I don't know, I'm not a huge basketball player. I've got a, a few friends that I work with and stuff now who are weirdly over lockdown, become really invested in basketball, which really confused me. Okay. One of the, I went on one of their Instagrams and it was like a super California shot of them, like somebody kind of going for a three-pointer, orange sun in the background. You can see the kind of grit of the corner. Where, where are they? <laughs> LA? What is what is this? Um, but yeah, I, I, I would assume that it's a big part of the culture right the kind of yeah. similar to football it's the money and the fame and the luxury and and gambling and drinking well, and, and that's that's all part of the culture i guess this this it's almost like it was intentional but this nicely segues into our next news article which is about the latest nba game um uh you know following on from sky and behavior um I, we've talked about this in different podcasts before um but basically uh 2k have uh, essentially put in an in-game advert an unskippable in-game advert into the latest version of NBA a month after the game was released now they've since gone back and said it was an accident but given that they're not the first company to have done this recently uh, post-release it's it there's 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 you can see the big boys are going come on let's just see how far we can get with this in-game advertising that's the feeling I'm getting it it got it got a lot of kickback on uh, on social media. Uh, people are really, really unhappy, uh, especially given apparently, in terms of basketball games anyway, NBA, uh, the NBA series are the only real video games in town. As I don't know, I don't play basketball games. I'd, it's um, NBA Jam back in the day was a bang. Yeah, but that's that. Um. <laughs> that's a real. That's a real long time ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, nice. So, I mean, off off the back of it, because I saw this in our news initially, I was like, this is a really interesting story. 
because and I, I pulled I've got it up on my screen here. I didn't actually ping it to you, so I apologize. Uh, but it was Wesley and Paul from Eurogamer who put the one up about NBA. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped back over and had a look and the Verge from back in September, Kim Lyons reported on a very similar thing happening in UFC four. Yeah, which is one we, which we where talk, the boys had an engagement. Which we talked right? about in previous podcasts. Yeah, we totally have. And it, it's it's a weird one. Like it's a really tricky one because the idea of putting in-game ads, especially into a sports game, I don't find inherently awful, which I know okay. might sound crazy. I don't think it's inherently awful. Like that's a part of sport. Like advertisements and sports sponsorships are the same. If you look at kind of like a FIFA, for example, they still have like a lot of the sponsorships and stuff are around on there. On the hoardings and, and stuff, right? It, yeah, on the boardings um, and, and the idea of like, you know, the tag hour clock for, for managing the kind yeah. of substitutions and stuff. So there is inherent in game adverts in sport. And if you pulled it all out of sport, then out of sport game, it would just not feel on, it would feel inauthentic and it would lose something. Yeah. But the problem that I have is maybe a bigger issue with sports games on the whole, which is that. I don't really think a lot of these sports games should be annual £60 releases. That's a, I've said yep. for years, and we've had this conversation before, Chris, that something like FIFA, that makes <sighs> billions of dollars a year through Ultimate Team, why are they selling a £60 game every year? Yeah. They don't need to. Yeah. Um, to the point where Nintendo, right, the Nintendo Switch version of FIFA, essentially said, hey, you're going to get the great, incredible, innovative, groundbreaking experience of FIFA 20, but with none of the FIFA 21 updates. And that's what you get on Switch. For sixty bucks, um, uh, yeah, which is disgusting. And at that point, you're like, "Geez, just just patch the new kits into the version of the game that people have got." I would have no problem with this if you were already paying sixty pounds for the game. It's the double dipping I take issue with. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- this is uh, this is a thing. I uh, I'm not again. I'm, I kind of see what you're saying. I'm not massively opposed to the idea of um, in-game ads. Uh, in the appropriate setting, especially if it means that you can reduce the price on those kind of releases. But um, what what they did here was they kind of put it in uh, in a loading segment uh, that you couldn't sk- and you couldn't skip it. I think it's just before you set up your team, um, so that you are forced to watch it no matter what. It's like it's an unskippable ad. Um, you know when it's in game and it's in the background and it's part of the hoarding, you kind of just get it there by osmosis as you do when you're watching sports on tv right you don't think yeah oh I, well, that's, that's the genius of advertising yeah. so yeah. um it uh, it is it is quite scummy behavior um uh we, we should st- we should we, we should have a scumbag of the week segment maybe that's what we should call it you know wow oh, that's a that's a tight field of competitors <laughs> in that one thing. it's, a, it's yeah, a lot yeah. of names to throw around i know i know you know we i mean it's almost like we could start categorizing the stories that have been popping up recently and this this advertising one is again another one that's gonna be coming back again and again because you know between all these different franchises it's well, i mean in in Wesley's article as well, he makes a really good point. Like the closing note was a very interesting one, which is, it'll be interesting to see how this all works on PS5 and Series X. Two consoles pitches more or less eradicating load times. Mm. So when there's no load times on a game, how are you going to justify making people sit and watch this shit then? Yeah, 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 yeah. If there's a load time, sure, whatever. I'm checking my phone, drinking my coffee. I've, I've run to pee. I'm, it's no big thing. Like, whatever, I'm not paying attention to the screen. It's a low time. You want to fill it with something? Sure, fill it with an ad. There's a bit of extra money. If you're going to make me sit through a low time on a machine that I know can get away without needing load time, then it's definitely, definitely. Then it's, then it's messed yeah. up. Then it's really frustrating, right? Um, so, yeah, who, who knows? Mm. Maybe it's just a last. 
I do get I get the impression with a lot of these companies, especially companies like 2K as well, who yeah, it, that that's the GTA publisher as well, right? 2K. No, that's Take Two. That's Take Two. Yeah. Wait, and this gross big companies anyway. Um, <laughs> well, yes, it's 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 unsurprising. It's unsurprising. But, uh, um, uh, yeah, and uh, speaking of unsurprising and gross big companies, uh, <laughs> Facebook. Um, not yes. a name you associate with gaming. Uh, we have talked about this in the past about Facebook uh, accounts now being a requirement for Oculus, uh, or will they will be a requirement for new Oculus headsets um, now uh, from October for new users? It's mandatory, and older accounts will um, lose their support from January twenty twenty three, which seems like a lot of time. But what has appeared in the last week or two uh was some updates to uh um the when you click delete on your facebook account a notification has popped up saying basically if you you will if you delete your account you will also lose all your oculus purchases essentially and you'll not be able to return any apps and you'll lose existing store credits um so essentially if you are a new user or you're a user who's linked your Facebook account to Oculus, and then you decide to delete that account, you lose all your purchases. They're gone. Now, that's fairly just weird. I don't get why they would do that. <laughs> it's got to be a mistake, isn't it? I, I mean, I don't get why they do I mean, That's not a mistake. No, it's not, is it? I, that, that's not a mistake. It's, you know, we open, you, you opened this story really well by saying it's not a, a company that you normally associate with gaming. It's not right now, like, but they're they're in this for the long haul. Yeah. You know, I I made this comment initially. Where it was like, well, oh, well, so I need to get a Facebook account. Well, it's a free Facebook account, no big deal. That that's how it starts, right? And it becomes this sort of death by a million cuts. Mm. You know, they will hack away any independence that Oculus has from Facebook inevitably. Yeah, yeah. Um, Facebook, I think, I think it might have actually dropped just today that they're looking into some kind of video game streaming solution. Probably not akin to xCloud and things, but, you know, there's that. There's the yeah. fact that a lot of people, was it when Mixer went down, a lot of people were suggested and kind of told, cool, like, don't worry about Mixer. We're moving everything over to Facebook gaming. And everyone's like, what? Like, why would you not go to Twitch? Why would you not go to the premiere? They, they are making inroads on that. I mean, just as a side note, I yep. noticed it today when I was setting stuff, Facebook gaming live is like a thing. They are making yeah. their streaming plat- live platform tailored towards gaming they, they're definitely making inroads yeah um yeah and uh it, it sadly sadly it's it, i get the impression that oculus are the first sort of victim in that there will be others i cannot wait to be sitting here well i can wait i can quite comfortably wait to be sitting here a year from now going cool remember when they bought that studio and that studio is gone now remember when they bought this team and this team is gone now remember that ip yeah it's a uh, really gross i've I find it kind of strange though because um, I was thinking about this uh, on two. One, I mean, yeah, we talk about Facebook as a as a non gaming company. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess their reputation is hasn't just didn't just dramatically turn overnight, and it's just been gradually getting worse and worse. And it's like say so, death by a thousand cuts. But the PR this this particular thing has generated has been really really negative. And I was thinking, if you were to cancel, say your your Apple account, delete that Apple account. Now, your purchases are gone from your account, right? That's it. Yeah. 
same if you're uh, you know you, you killed your Google account, all your purchases are gone. So actually, yeah, well, Stadia's Stadia's vanished. No, they've they've not done anything. It's the way and the method. It is. That's that's think, where it if, comes from. I think, yeah, it's that slow adjustment of they maybe should have waited a few years until Oculus wasn't Oculus and Oculus was Facebook presents Oculus. Yeah, because then you know, and that that's not something that happens overnight. Like Oculus and Vibe were the forerunners for for good quality VR technology. Mm-hmm. You know, they are one of the big names. They're a big studio. You know, you think about people like John Romero, right, who moved over um, to to Oculus, yeah. work with Facebook Gaming because he was part of Oculus. And they didn't Oculus. just invest in Oculus for him. They invested in Oculus for Oculus's people as well. Yeah, yeah, true. And it's, it's you know, I think that's it. If, if PlayStation, if you delete your PlayStation account, every every penny that I spent with PlayStation is gone. Except because, but I mean, you can still keep your games on the console. You just won't be able to retrieve them afterwards, right? Uh yeah 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 I believe so I like yeah. oh, you did we did in the PS3 days and I remember because I'm sure if you just kind of deleted your PS3 your PSN account off the machine your purchases yeah. would stay on there you know yeah. and it's just, this is this comes back to a deeper conversation of digital content you know what yep. ownership of digital content is no it's no no one owns digital content anymore they license it you're buying a license every time you uh, you buy a a product and then. That license can be revoked by the license holder at any point, yeah, and that's essentially absolutely. what's happening when you kill your Facebook account. It's, it's not great, but you know, this is why you should buy a Vive, maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 but like it, like you said, it's, it's buyer beware, yeah, right? Exactly. I guess it'd be interesting to know if we end up in a world, especially as things get more and more digital, whether or not any of that changes, because it seems a little unfair at the minute that, well, I've paid for a product or I've paid for a license over here. Mm. Why should I have to have an account to this service to have access to that that license necessarily? You know, when when I when I buy something at the PlayStation Store, and I am in turn given a digital invoice for that, mm. well, is that not my proof of license? Uh, right? Yeah. Can I not set up an account down the line and kind of say, well, this is my license, and the account that that's tied to is no longer active, and you can see that it isn't on your server end. So why can't I have this game back on a different account? You know, things like that. There's also the element of Facebook itself as a, as a service. When you if you if you're not a Facebook user and you sign up to Facebook, there's a there's an element of you giving so much more of yourself away than say if you just put your email yeah. address and or you know because you can create an email address in seconds, right? And and Gmail and then <laughs> use that to register. I mean, people do that all the time. Because I, I know people have talked about creating fake accounts on Facebook, but I think they've already said something about real names or something on there. What did they say? Um, let me just go back. To- oh, they will. They will undoubtedly go out of their way to make sure that that's valid data. Because, like, let's not forget that this company has never made any qualms about the fact that they are in the business of data. Mm-hmm. You know, Oculus. Are, are they making? Do they invest in Oculus? You know, like I said, for the team, yes. For the tech, yes. For the idea of being in the video game space, yes. More than anything, they now have access to data from a whole bunch of a whole segment. Like every investment that they make is an investment in data mm-hmm. in some form, yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's their business model from top to bottom. You know, and it's 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 sinister to say out loud, but that's people that people are still, I think, adjusting to the idea that your data is cash money, mm. like it is. You know, like your personal information. Every time you put your date of birth or your mother's maiden name or anything like that in anywhere, and that's saved somewhere, and, and a company has access to that, that's the digital equivalent of old railroad. You know, the bills of paper they had. <laughs> so that you go you go robbing from a train in Red Dead Redemption. It's the digital equivalent. 
Um, I don't think a train. It's a digital equivalent of robbing on a train. Yeah. Well. Well. No. No. It's a digital equivalent of putting your information in a safe and that getting robbed by someone on the train. Uh, If it goes missing. I see. I see. Right. Okay. Right. 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 They are the train. They are the train in in this scenario. Right. That train is more valuable with those with those deeds on it. right? Right. Okay. They are the train. There's an analogy. There's an analogy there somewhere. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. I'll work on it. Okay, I'll okay. On. I'll, I'll come back to you I'll next week. I want a proper analogy, please. Um, <clears throat> all right. So um, less of um, less of companies being scammy and more of individuals being scammy. Next, uh, big game at the moment among us. Um, have you played it yet? I haven't. I've got it downloaded on about three different Same pieces of it. hardware. Same <laughs> here. Um, we'll yeah. get back to that later. But uh, Among Us is kind of a big game at the moment, and of course, the, the issue with games getting a higher profile and you know, especially very quickly growing as well out of the blue, is uh, the danger of it being uh, well attacked, abused, um, hacked. And essentially, that's what happens, has happened to Among Us. They've been struggling a lot recently with hacking issues because um, of the sudden popularity. And basically, last week, uh, there was um, a bit of a big hack. Uh, someone uh, basically in-game started spamming people and telling them to describe to a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm not going to name the channel here. Not that we know. They probably have thousands more viewers than us anyway. But it's just... It, it was kind of... It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and th- this is the bit that gets me. This is the reason I mention it. So Eurogamer did a report on this. They actually joined a Discord that uh, these, this guy, Eris, who um, was involved in the hack, uh, was on and running. And they actually chatted with him and talked about him it to him. And he was basically saying, yeah, I just did it for the lols. <laughs> I don't care, you know. I, I know, I mean, and he did it, and and he's going to continue to try and hack the game as much as, um, even though uh, Inner Slaughter, the makers of the game, are going to keep updating it, he's just going to keep trying to hack it. Um, with with the hack, they also posted some stuff about Trump 2020, because he feels like, you know... Um, uh, he, the guy who had did the hacking was a Trump supporter. So I uh, was <laughs> trying to get people to vote. Now, this is interesting. The reason I mentioned that particular thing is because I don't know if you saw recently, but uh, a very big politician in America, she played um, a Democrat, uh, played Among Us Live. Yeah, she played it live. So you've got to wonder whether that has made them a target for this particular guy to go off and hack. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of I, I find it fascinating the mindset that people have for time behind wanting to hack things that other people have worked on. It's like what there's there's it's, there's something in their brains that is making them want to I don't know. I do. So I'm going to tell you a story, okay? And it's going to paint me in a rather horrible light, okay? But stay with me on okay. it. I'm not the man that I am. Okay, that I was back then. But when I was a kid, right? So, like, when you were a kid, like, you used to go around, like, late at night, and you just run around, and you do stuff, right? And I was a little skate rat when I was a kid as well, so we'd hang around skate parks and stuff. And part of that, I, you, you just sort of break stuff. He's a bit of a vandal. Okay. Like, it's just sort of sort of part of it. And it's a bit of a dick move. Probably shouldn't do it. Don't be a dick. But you did it. And then I remember thinking about it for 
age where you're like, I wonder what like prompted my teenage mind to do that. Hmm. And I, I, I don't I don't know what it is. And I do feel like cool in 2020, like this is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of that. You're doing something. You're doing it for a response, I guess. You're doing it to get a reaction. Yeah. I don't know if I. I always wondered, like, is it is it maybe a power thing with kids? It's like, well, you're a teenager, so you have no control over anything, but you can do something in the world and get a reaction. Like, that's the thing that you can do. You can break stuff and get a response, and that feels like something. Don't get me wrong. This is a college kid. This kid's damn near <laughs> but, an adult, uh, right? It depends what what age he is in college. If he's 19, your brain apparently, you know, the brain doesn't stop yeah. developing until like you're 21. So he's what he could be like 19, 20, and can still be like essentially a teenager in his brain. Uh, honestly, yeah. I've seen I've seen stories about hackers like this before who have got years later looked back on what they did before and they were like, I don't know why I did it. It was really stupid. I just wanted to see reaction. You're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, it's just it's got to be. It's just I don't know. <laughs> There's a bigger psych thing here. There's some Freudian stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There's some psychological stuff. <laughs> there is, there is. And there's always that thing of like, oh well, you know, the school shooters are always disenfranchised white white teens and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're doing it because because you want to react. And I do think that's it. I think it's that sort of ripple effect of being able to do something and see it affect things. Yeah. You know, like, I was just looking at the article now, and they, like you said, they went into Discord and they had a conversation with him. And yeah, I mean, to be fair, he says pretty, pretty explicitly, right? So he's, I quote now, um, I've been making cheats for lots of video games and I sell them. This is just a publicity stunt. Uh, I've received hundreds of threats, such as death threats, lol, but I don't mind them and heavily doubt any of them are actually going to be executed. I hope so. And then underneath it, I'm a college student and I support Trump with the election and this, uh, I support Trump with the election and this hopefully getting publicity. I wanted to add to that. So there's an element of, don't get me wrong, I, we won't get political, but there's an ele- element of allegiance. Like, yeah, cool, I kind of have a bit of a thing behind it. I'm doing that because I want to raise awareness about this political candidate, yeah. <laughs> if that's what you can call them. But like the underlying thing here is I wanted to do a thing and see if anyone reacted. You know? I mean, you know, the, the problem with this kind of thing is uh, people are going to react badly. I mean, it I would get annoyed. I mean, I wouldn't threaten to kill the guy, but there's going to be some people who are going to do that. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the whole thing is just a bit weird, and I feel a bit sorry for everyone involved, but especially the developers actually, because they're the ones who are just furiously trying to. Well, they they were going to make an Among Us too, and they cancelled it because they just didn't realize how popular it's got to be something to do with the lockdown right everyone just sort of starts yeah. streaming among us and then everyone went crazy for it so it's so anything we live in one thing goes viral and it's just exploded yeah. right so they, they've had to deal with that and so they've cancelled the second game and then you've got these douches coming in hacking the hacking the game and they've got to try and battle against it the thing is if they are selling if he is selling cheats People are buying those sheets because they want to cheat at this game. And that's another thing I don't get. Why? Why do you want to cheat at a game that is like... I mean, there, there's there's beating a game and there's playing with other people and cheating to beat the other people. I mean, are you that desperate that you want to... I mean... I think, again, they just get off on the idea that someone's on the other end of that losing their mind. You know? Like, it's, it's just a reactionary thing. Uh, I do think as well, like I, I will throw it out there as a, again, not to get too political and like we won't take sides necessarily, but the idea that cool, so this is now on Eurogamer, this 
YouTuber now has a whole bunch of subscribers. This guy is getting mainstream press attention. Mm. And it's a political candidate's name all over it. And this guy, as far as we're aware, has no ties to any kind of political party or political allegiance and stuff. But in the age of sort of digital media and the idea of swaying political vote and public opinion and influencing elections and things like that, like yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy time. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy time. It's a pretty crazy time, isn't it? Once the election is coming up now, isn't it next week or something? Yeah. Oh, people are voting now. Yeah, yeah. people are people are going out. Uh, they're struggling to, but they're going out and voting. <laughs> I, I I will round this up by sticking to uh, the the one and obvious rule that everyone should stick to. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> don't. Why? Just don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, oh yeah, but people react to me being a dick. Yeah, they react to you being a dick because they go, ah, you're a dick. That guy's a dick. Yeah. And then you're gonna feel bad about it. You're gonna whine. You're gonna t- you're gonna tell people that you think it's funny and that you don't mind, but you care. Yeah. You care deep down. Yeah, you do. Anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's leave that um, and move on um, to some lighter, uh, good good news, good news, good news. What's good news? <laughs> some good news. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima has had a, its free DLC released, uh, and both of us have been playing the original. Well, both of us played the original. I still haven't finished the original, but I know you've been playing the DLC uh, and mm. the new co-op mode that is available, um, which sounds brilliant. Um, it is if you got the game, go and get it. That's what I've been told. Right? You should get it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you already have the game, then it's a no-brainer. It's it's a free it's a free DLC. Yeah. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, I think there are kind of marginal improvements to the game and stuff, but uh, more importantly, it's a whole new mode there. You know, um, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. It's a very different vibe, uh, kind of just aesthetically and stuff. It's all sort of demons and onis and spirits and stuff mm, okay. uh, leans into the whole ghost part of ghost of Tsushima a little more uh, but no it's good it's it's literally the game that you've been playing but it's multiplayer you can kind of go through standard missions you have options of kind of going like a heavy tank as a samurai or stealth as a ninja you've got a ranged one you've got a ronin who's more of a support class um, i've really enjoyed it yes, that's, that's good i think one thing that it does really well is around about this time and it's, it's quite interesting seeing the way that it's staggered because obviously there'll be press reasons for that. It, it's a good thing that the game has maybe just started petering off and, and that long tail has started dipping. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of announced this and it spikes back up. But also, strictly speaking, most people will have finished the game by now. You would have gone through, you'd have tried all the tools and yeah. the weapons and the classes. And by the time you go into this, those tools and classes are all there just like you know. But they're, they're divvied up a little bit differently. So if you're playing one class, you're only going to get a certain set of tools yeah. and styles. And if you've got a certain weapon, you're only... It, it makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think the story's interesting that they've 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 had their admin since day one. This is something that they were always aiming to do. Mm. And I do think it's quite an interesting thing for these sort of PlayStation Studio games because we're still waiting on whatever the modern incarnation of factions is for The Last of Us 2. You know, we played The Last is of Us Is it going to be one. that? Well, overwhelming whispers say that there was something in development. There was a multiplayer mode coming. I want to say it was Neil Druckmann who said that there was something on its way and that they were developing it and that maybe this is something that you see from from kind of Sony. Like Obviously, they're putting all their eggs in the whole cool, big, single-player campaign stories for 60 bucks, mm-hmm. like big games. That's what we hang. Those are our temples, right? Your Last of Us, Ghost of Shima's, God of Wars, Spider-Man, things like that. But maybe if these games, if they can kind of put in, cool, if you can patch in a multiplayer mode, there's no rush on it, take your time, no big deal, finish the game first. But 
on the back end if you want to do something cool you can do something yeah um i don't know this this might tie to something we're going to talk about later for me uh in terms of value in games but uh mm-hmm. so we will re- re- we will revisit this shortly yes um so uh we're gonna sort of divvy up our news section a little bit and add in a little bit of a retro news section because um, I mean, it's not not every week has lots of stuff about retro, but there's a couple of things that have come up this week. Um, so uh, a lot of the Arcade Vaults team have uh, mentioned this to me. Uh, for me, this is not news. If I'm honest, I'm not that. I don't see this as a massive deal. But Atari have announced an official launch date for their VCS console. Um, now, it's. It's, uh, it's, uh, I'm just, I'm so indifferent about this console. I just can't tell you it's, how indifferent it's gonna I am. It's going to struggle. It's, this, it's going to there struggle. Was kicks, this, uh, so Atari did a Kickstarter. Uh, and when I say Atari, I mean the conglomerate of the conglomerate that bought Atari, that sold Atari, that bought Atari. Whoever it is that owns the Atari name now, I, if they're Atari in any form, as the original Atari was, then I'd be surprised. Whoever Atari are now have decided they want to jump in on, they wanted to jump in on the uh, sort of re-released consoles that you know was ha- was happening at the time. There's the SNES Mini and the the NES Mini and all those con- mini consoles. So they decided they wanted to do a Kickstarter for their version of this, which is going to also be um, able to play PC games. I think I'm not sure. I fully understand it. So it's uh, it's a uh, got all the old Atari games on it, but it's also got the ability. And it, I will I will say it looks lovely. It looks very very nice. They've beautifully it, designed. It's, a, it's got the old woody kind of style and effect. It's a great machine. So they've just announced that they're going to launch it the same week, I think, as the PS Five. Um, and um, I, I I can't see this. As, I can't see Sony going. Oh my god, we better run. <laughs> you know, Atari's coming for us. Do you know it's. It's 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 a bit of a publicity stunt, I guess, on Atari's part. They they're trying to jump on the bandwagon of the next gen releases. If it, I would be pleasantly surprised if this is anything more than just a a fad that was funded funded by the people who got into the Kickstarter. I think it's Kickstarter. It's one of those Kickstarter type things. Um, a friend of mine, we're always arguing about it. He sends me, as part of the Kickstarter, he signed up the Kickstarter every every month or so. He'll send me an update saying, uh, "Hey, they've got, they are actually making making this. Look, they've sent photos of it on the uh, crates. Look, they're shipping it." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll believe it when it turns up when, when I see it." it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, any opinions on the VCS console? Do you feel like- strongly either way? <laughs> A lot of what you've already said, which is like it's a beautifully designed machine. You know, I'll give them that. It looks really pretty. It's something that I wouldn't mind having for the novelty of it. It's just a weird... You don't just get into the console market. And that that's not a you don't do that today. That's a you don't do that ever. Like, not now, anyway. Not since... Yeah, you, not, if we think we're, we're about to go into a PlayStation 5 launch, right? PlayStation 4 has sold gangbusters... Uh, more units than than they could have imagined. The PS3 was a bit of a failure, but it succeeded. The PS5 is going to sell insanely. We know this. But you've got to keep in mind, like, even PlayStation started off the back of a failed business relationship, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was Sony and Nintendo. They were going to do the Nintendo PlayStation. That fell through. Nintendo went, went with Panasonic. And Sony, almost out of spite, went, well, we make hardware. Sucks to be you, so we'll do it ourselves. 
You know, Nintendo used to sell playing cards. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not something that you just do. And I get that Atari is a brand that people know, but if that's the angle they're going to go with, oh, you know Atari, you need to come up with some kind of identity for Atari. Well, this is the thing. If you had some of the pedigree of the the Atari of old, you know, if you, if, uh, if, uh, what's his face? Um, No, um, oh my God, I've forgotten the Atari founder's name. I was going to say Jonathan Nolan, but that's the guy who, my brain just went blank. Um, Anyway, Atari man. Uh, if he uh, oh Nolan Bushnell, Bushnell. yeah Nolan that's what yeah. that's, that's and you got Nolan somewhere yeah I was just a Jonathan <laughs> Owens, not like the guy yeah Nolan Bushnell right so yeah he um, uh, actually know this because I've watched like a million documentaries on these guys so, you know if he suddenly turned around and goes you know what we're going to relaunch Atari and you know they really put some pizzazz into it rather than just kind of that, this I mean a Kickstarter just speaks to me as someone who hasn't got a, a solid idea and they just yeah. kind of wanted to test the waters with the with a, if they've not managed to pitch it to investors and get get investment for it that way, that's why they've gone to Kickstarter, exactly. and that's not a good sign. And then that, that, I mean, I'm just, that isn't a good sign. I'm just having a look here, so just for the take of the specs on it, right? So, new Atari VCS comes with a raft of new tech to make it 2020 ready, including an AMD Ryzen CPU, AMD Radeon GPU, 8 gigabytes of RAM that is expandable, and it can pump out in 4K HDR, which is metal, because what could possibly be on there that needs to be 4K? I, it's a weird, weird machine. It, it's one that my immediate thing is, like, we live in an age where xCloud is a thing. Now Xbox have their own proprietary hardware, so they're not going to get in bed with anybody. But Google, Google are willing to put Chrome tech pretty much anywhere. Could they not have spoken to Google and gone, hey, do you want to support our hardware? And you can whack a Stadia app on yeah, there? I think it was before Stadia, though, because um, they oh, probably, it's, it's probably at least three, was, but... two or three years old. I th- I, I... But, like, are you telling me that they can't build an app to run on this well, machine? They, like, they it's, already have. It's a... I mean, it's Steam, basically, they're going to put on there. I think it's a Steam machine. Steam, Steam, the Steam machines, I think they, this could have been a really good Steam machine if they released it when Steam machines were a thing. We're not now. You know, the NVIDIA yeah, Shield past was... A, was Probably you could look at that as a as a failure. Really, if the Nvidia Shield didn't work. Why is why is this going to work? Yeah, why would you? You know, I guess if this is essentially a, P- a mini PC with the benefit of having a bunch of Atari games on it and the Atari logo on it and that kind of Atari look, that's that's their pitch, and it doesn't excite me. Maybe maybe if it was, I was going to say maybe if they'd done if they turned like the SNES Mini or the Mega Drive Mini or something like that into one of these kind of PC consoles. Maybe that would have been more exciting, but then that's like, what's the point then? You might as well just get a PC that you can upgrade fully and change the graphics card on and, and do all the stuff you can do on a PC. It just feels like this could have been, like this exact machine that I'm looking at now, with the joystick, with the controller, this could have been a 50, 60, maybe 70 pound piece of hardware with a bunch of Atari games that would have been able to justify its existence a little bit more. Mm. They'd, have, they'd have shifted units of those. Mm. It, it, just based on the fact that people would go, sure, mini consoles are a thing. That seems to be going well. Like That's what I assumed this would be. Yeah, the, pro- the problem is there's a lot of those... Uh, I think the way that Atari did their licensing, they, there's this Atari flashback consoles. There's about four or five of them, I think, and they... Uh, they're made by someone else, and they have the Atari games on them. So, and they they're all right. I think the emulation's a bit ropey in places, and yeah. the game selection's a bit rubbish. But you know, they've they've got better. They've gotten better as they've evolved. So I think they're saying, well, we've already kind of got this available. Why do we want to just do that again? 
in a different form. So I think they were a bit late to the party on that front. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. All right. Shame. Shame. We'll see. Oh, I. You know, <laughs> might see one in the arcade vaults at some point. I don't know. Uh, just, just for the sake of it. Uh. All right. They'll drop the thirty quid eventually. No, they will. They will. They will. <laughs> and that day, that's the day you'll see them. Um, yeah. So, uh, talking of retro consoles, um, analog have I got something lined up? They've got an analog duo, which is uh, so analog. Uh, just back the background to analog. If you don't know who they are, they have released aftermarket versions of the NES, SNES, and Sega Mega Drive. Uh, they are kind of gorgeous looking versions of the hardware i guess is that fair to say yeah 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 i'd say so and uh they have decided to do uh this new thing called the analog duo which is uh gonna be uh a turbo graphics pc engine it's pc it's pc engine over yeah. here, wasn't it uh combo yeah. kind of bit of hardware um i just so the hu cards cd roms it will do NEC video game systems, yeah. what they're calling it, right? Yeah, so, so basically any of the NEC stuff. Now, the PC Engine, what's it? The PC Engine or the Turbo Graphics? Over here, I forget. They, they, the branding, their branding was so inconsistent across yeah. regions. So I'm having a look here. So uh, is compatible with nearly every NEC system and game format ever made. So Turbo Graphics 16, PC Engine, Super Graphics, Turbo Graphics CD, yeah. PC Engine CD ROM 2, Super Arcade CD ROM 2. It's 1080p. They claim zero lag. Uh, Bluetooth for things like controllers and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, basically they work with the original hard. Uh, they're essentially hardware that you can use the original games on without any uh, need to, you know, illegally download them. So I, you got they must have got a license from any NEC to kind of run the games, I guess. Anyway, it's, it's a nice looking machine. I, you know, I'm kind of I never got into the PC engine or the, or the, or at all. I I didn't wasn't really a thing for me. I don't know if you ever we were they around when you started playing games. Bit, a bit before my yeah, time, yeah. Be. You know, I was sort of the the Super Nintendo and, and the Mega Drive were very much alive and well by the time I remember picking up game controllers. Oh, but I mean, I think the one thing that they they seem really committed, right? So this is a, the reason that I think this is quite an interesting story. It isn't even that the game or, or the hardware or people what are clamoring to have that functionality. Mm. It's more that this company seem very ready to go out of their way to make sure that this software doesn't die out, that these games are playable and the on origi- new hardware. The original games like, as well, yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've spoken about it before, right? The the little analog handheld that they do that will run things like Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy oh, Advance yeah, games. Another one that's really quite a nice bit of kit. Yeah. Nice bit of kit. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's the same company, yeah. right? And, like, it's a beautiful piece of hardware, but you need to have, especially in a post- emulate a world almost we're not post emulator yet but i mean we'll never be post emulator you can emulate machines on on any hardware yeah, right essentially mostly but it's the fact that you can't just go to a website and download a bunch of roms the way that you used to they're cracking down on it and you shouldn't have been doing that in the first mm-hmm. place and the fact that you were doing that kind of says a lot and you've still got you know companies um like limited run who are trying to get you know smaller games their own hardware releases you've got companies like gog.com yeah. who are trying to make sure that software doesn't die out so like do we see potentially a world where it's like cool well the licensing for these games are still a little bit tied up and nobody really knows or cares so gog had the license for the software 
like limited run know how to make hardware releases mm-hmm. maybe they work with a company like analog and you still have life then for physical versions of these games that aren't emulated that, that's important yeah. isn't it because the preservation is uh, of all these old games and all this old hardware is is, is a big thing now um yeah. so you know fair play to them it's a nice looking bit of kit i again i say it wasn't a big part of my life so it might you might see it again in the arcade vaults when it goes down to 30 quid who knows <laughs> um it's one of those, I think it's a nice enough machine and the premise of what they're trying to do. First of all, the premise of what they're trying to do, obviously they're a company, they're a business, they make money. But I'd argue that grabbing a company like this, it's like a, a government-run thing being like, cool, here's your job. Like, we're going to give you government contracts to preserve this stuff because it matters. We're happy to give you those contracts to make sure that you preserve it the right yeah. way. So that even if it's not financially viable, it's still done on some level because we know it's important. That's, you know, it's, it's part of why... We do what we do. But, yeah, just the idea of it's a beautiful machine. You know, just looking at it, I'm like, I don't know any game that runs on this machine. That's a part of the problem. I want right? one. I want one. <laughs> like, it looks pretty enough that I want one, um, which says a lot, right? And that's not an easy thing to do. As we said, Atari looks kind of like an Atari 2600, but a bit more modern, and it's an Atari. And I'm like, why would I buy that? But this thing, I look at it, I'm like, I, I want that. That looks cool. Fair um, so yeah, it's, I think it's an interesting business. It's a, they're an interesting company on the whole, and I do think that they're doing important work trying to keep this software alive and in circulation on some level. Mm. Um, and speaking of software being kept alive, uh, so Sega, kind. <laughs> it's like it's like all these we've intended all these segues in between articles. It's just <laughs> so smooth. It's like yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, Sega's 60th anniversary uh, is on at the moment. Um, <clears throat> we haven't really talked about that in great detail, but we'll probably touch on that at another point. Um, specific thing has happened during this, and they've been releasing a bunch of old games uh, as part of um, this anniversary. Uh, one thing they recently released uh, was a cancelled Golden Axe game, which was which was incomplete. Um, it was re- worked on by Sega Studios Australia uh, back 10 years ago, uh, more or more, uh, part of the Sega Reborn series. They were rebooting some of their own stuff with modern modern tech. Uh, and they released basically the, I think it was just, is it one level of this game? It, it looks lovely. Uh, they called it Sega Sega's Golden Axed with a D, which in principle sounds really clever. However... Not long after they released the game, uh, the one of the original developers of the the reboot uh, posted a long Twitter thread uh, about um, the history behind the game, and it kind of shed a lot of light on uh, on what happened. Uh, and Sega, Sega, they'd written on the release, the re-release of the re- the remake, Golden Axe, uh, some sort of uh, humorous, what they thought was humorous kind of, you know, anecdote, and they talked about how the game might have been buggy and incomplete, but blah, blah, blah. It was... And in the context of what this guy, or well, the developer whose name, um, just going to look up in a sec, uh, what he wrote on Twitter, in the context of that actually seems really insensitive, because basically, he put a lot of time and effort into making this game, and the management team at the time didn't really know what they were doing with it and just kind of screwed it around a little bit and just dumped it all. And he essentially was crunching for about two or three weeks on this just sort of like tech demo, essentially, for the game. And there was a lot of, I think, 
a lot of resentment from him towards Sega, and then kind of the way they kind of put it out was just really insensitive. Uh, he actually called them parasites while profiting off the cancelled games, which I've um I've actually got it. I've managed to get it up on Twitter here just so we can catch up with it. Yeah. Um, so the chap's name is Tim Dawson, so he was part of the development team and part of the guys that were there. And just I'm not going to go through all the thread because there's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot um, yeah. But you should actually I'll I'll link this to you, Chris, so that we can. Put the link in the description if people will, want to yeah, go yeah. and check out Tim's Twitter there as it's, well. It's also um, in the article um, that we've got as well. Yeah. Uh, so he tweeted out, woke up to the surprising that Sega was releasing the Gold Axe prototype that I coded in 2012 under crunch conditions. At least I'm not alone. This appears to be a surprise to everyone I know who actually worked on it. He then followed that up with strong words. This product was my personal nexus of nightmare hours, inept management, industry realizations, and heroics achieved with a small team under unreasonable conditions. So it's an odd feeling to see it surface eight years later without context, credits, and with a joke in the title sequence. Yeah. It exists because Santana Mishra on, on Twitter as well. Um, and I had delivered the Castle of Illusion prototype that was maintaining the studio. A producer was trust uh, producer we trusted asked us if we could make a polished gameplay prototype for an internal Golden Axe pitch in about two weeks to land the second project. Um, he goes on to really kind of break down his experience yeah, there. Yeah, he does, yeah. And they're not the kind of stories that we hear enough of. Mm-hmm. We hear of them. We know that it happens, but you don't tend to get very many first-person accounts because mm-hmm. generally the minute you sign an employment contract with one of these companies, you are under NDA. Yeah. Uh, it's a non-disclosure agreement. You cannot talk Absolutely. about it, which is why... If ever you read something about, well, somebody at CD Projekt said this about um, Crunch, and people go, oh, well, he's not talking about it publicly. Uh, we don't even know that he's really could be making it up. It's like, well, yeah, if he says anything, he's lost his job. Um, <coughs> if you work in America... Excuse me, sorry. If you work in America for one of these studios, you've lost your job and your not just your wages, but your health care and everything else that goes with that. Um, so we don't hear these stories no, very much, but... It's a weird one because on one hand, like there's a celebration of Sega going on. You know, I, I went on myself and they I saw an advert saying that they were giving away Sack the Hedgehog 2 for free, which I finished. I don't know how many times that I've got it on every device under the sun, but I have a new PC that I'm playing games on every now and again. And so I was like, cool, I'll go, I'll pick up Sonic 2. So I picked up Sonic 2 and then I was like, oh, this is part of the Sega collection that I've also bought a dozen times on different machines. But I'm not having a Sega collection on my PC that just had Sonic 2. So I've ended up buying the whole collection, right? <laughs> I don't know, right? It cost me like, I think it was about six, seven I mean, pounds. Yeah, it's or something. It was dirt cheap. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I agree that, that the prescient story here isn't the actual ta- like trailer making its way out there. It's it's the story of the developer. Yeah, another story about just the conditions that the developers are working in, the kind of the, you know, the kind of effects that it has. Like if you think that guy, I'm just having a look at Tim's Twitter now because I don't just, I mean, know too much about him. I don't even know if he's still working. I, I don't know if he's still working either. Or I will say Sega, off the back of this, did change the description and they did acknowledge the hard work that he'd put into the game, him and the, and the other developers, and they did apologise for kind of, you know, not being more sensitive about that. I wonder how much of Sega now is the same Sega then because it was also specifically Sega Australia that was was working on there. And, you know, you got you got to wonder what the turnover of staff is and these kind of things because you know you've got executives working who don't know about games and who are the ones making these decisions and he references some of this in his thread um 
do they stay in the games industry? Are someone who doesn't know anything about games going to be there for 20 years in the industry? Because that's a really bad state of affairs to be in. And they're the ones who are probably pushing yeah. for crunch and pushing for things to be done because they don't necessarily well, I mean, understand the process. To put it into context, so Tim works as an independent developer now. So he's an indie dev, okay. which seems to be the way that a lot of it goes. Is people go, I can't work for these companies. I can't work in these conditions. Yeah, makes sense. And it's, I mean... We know that the overarching problem here is people with money who aren't willing to put down the resources to properly support a team will demand unrealistic things from a team of creators and developers mm-hmm. strictly based on the fact that, well, you're an artist. You love what you do. You should be expected to suffer for yeah. it. That's kind of the impression, which I think is why so many people go, no, like I'll go, I'll go indie, man. I'll, I'll go independent. I'll work on my own in a small team. And if I'm going to struggle and if I'm going to suffer, if I'm going to graft like that, I'll do it on my terms and not on yours. Yep. Um, which, like, you know, it, it, I don't know his whole story. I would get the impression that's kind of what's happened. I can't imagine he's working under the same pressures that he was at Sega, but it seems like, you know, he's an independent developer making the games that he wants to make, which is what you hope to see. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I thought it was quite interesting because it's a very specific, you never get to hear these first-person accounts, right? Generally, they're either people that don't work in the industry anymore mm-hmm. or that are still working in the industry so couldn't possibly say anything bad about the company or can't say anything right now because, God forbid, you be you breach an NDA, right? Like, if Hideo Kojima can leave a company on incredibly bad terms <laughs> and not feel empowered to talk about it, yeah, then nobody has a chance, yeah, yeah. right? Is there a bigger That's name so... in the business than him? So That's if he's in that position... You're never going to get those stories from anyone else, but it's nice to see, you know, that maybe that's the better way of doing it, right? Maybe you look back and you go, "Cool, this is what's happening then," and I can confirm it's still happening now. Mm. Like maybe that's how you you draw a picture, in the absence of current knowledge, I suppose. Yeah, um, I recommend that anyone who is reading, uh, sorry, watching or listening to this, go and read that thread and that article, the articles around it. It's if anything, you're going to follow up on what we talked about this week. I'd recommend you follow up on that. Because there's a yep. lot, there's a lot behind that, and it's, it's it's all quite interesting. And yeah, anyway, um, all right. So that wraps up our retro news for the week, and also our top stories for the week. Um, we have some more things to talk about, so we are going to go on to our talking points for the week. All right, so uh, Tom, you've been away for a bit. Uh, you've missed yeah. all our fascinating discussions that we've had, which have focused mostly on uh, uh, the next generation. Let's be honest, next generation is the big, big news at the moment, so it comes up a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are we? A week? Two weeks? Two weeks? No. Three, two or three weeks. I want to say November 9th. Is that the Xbox release day? Oh, I've forgotten. I know PlayStation's a little bit 12th, later, but... I'll say for something... 19th? 12th or 19th? Yeah, that sounds right. They're coming. They're coming. The PlayStation's on the 19th. That's the one I know for sure. <laughs> one, one, one of the things that we wanted to touch on previously, uh, which we might have done on a previous podcast, I've lost track, were that games were too expensive. But you have a counterpoint, don't you, Tom? I Yeah. Yeah, so I, when I've written it down, and I realise that as I write it down, it doesn't look very favourable. It just says games aren't expensive enough, which isn't fair because, firstly, that suggests that games are already too expensive and that they need to go further in their expense, which I don't think is fair. Okay. Um, I think it's a double-pronged thing, and I always part of it falls on an element of greed and things where I understand that people might be a little bit hesitant when you look at a company like... 
like like Epic, for example, that are a billion dollar company, like a, like a GTA, and that's the kind of standard bearer for a lot of it. But I don't think that's really a fair reflection. And obviously, PlayStation and Xbox are putting out two new machines now for half a grand. You know, mm-hmm. they they seem pretty expensive. Um, but I just had a look, and I like I so I found this article on TechRaptor.net, and feel free to kind of challenge the numbers on it. But I'm going to go through some of the numbers just to kind of give you a little bit of context for where I'm coming from. Okay. This, okay? okay. So. If you were to look at the Atari 2600, when that launched in 1977, that launched for $199. If you adjust that for inflation, you're looking at $853 today. Okay. The average game would cost you about $39.99. Your average game, if that was adjusted for inflation, would be $170. Okay. Okay. There's another one here that I think is very interesting, mostly because I never understood this machine and I still don't know how to use it properly, but I, you always took it everywhere with us whenever we went to events and I was all like, why is this thing here? Because I didn't know how to play it. But um, to the Intellivision, <laughs> right? Intellivision, the cost at launch in 1979 was $229. Mm-hmm. That would cost you over $1,000 today. Okay. And again, $39.99 in 1979, that'd be 142 I'm just going to scroll through some of these to find some of the more obvious ones. There you go. Um, NES, 1985, 180 quid. That costs you about 430 pounds. Today, your average game would cost $45, so about $100. Okay, all right. I'm going to stop, um, I'm just going to stop just here for a second, because I think I know what you're, say, you're saying. Well, we'll just throw okay, one okay, more out there that I think is quite interesting. Okay. So if we were to look at the PlayStation 1. Okay, more recent, yeah. Okay. What Do you, do you remember how much that would have cost you at launch? Wasn't there a big hoo-ha about that when uh, it's two 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 nine five two nine two nine nine? I remember that because it probably was there's sort of a very famous there's a very famous video of the then president of uh, Sony when he did a press conference. He, I think he just kind of said, "Was it the PS one or the PS 2 I forget, but he just kind of said two nine nine, and then he walked off. Went on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that was it. Um, Don't quote yeah, me. So two nine nine. If you were to adjust that two nine nine. From 1995 to 2020, which doesn't feel like that long of a no. stretch of time when you compare it to years. the 70s and the 80s, it would cost you $509.19. Okay. So pretty much bang on the PS5 value now. And then the average game would have cost you about $50 back then. The game would cost you about $84 now. I have two counterpoints for you before I'm going to shoot. All right. It's not that. Right. One, there's an assumption that inflation, inflation, adjusted prices are a reflection of how they would be priced today that's not an accurate thing because you're assuming that everyone's wages has gone up on an inflation rated related thing rise and they haven't we know they haven't um wages have on certain especially in certain jobs have stayed stayed very stagnant um you know in fact in anything sure. there's more people on lower paid jobs now than they were years ago because you know like in the UK at least zero hour contracts weren't really a thing for a long time, and now they are a thing. You yeah. know, you don't exactly get much for your bang for your buck in that sense. Uh, the second thing is um, manufacturing and um, uh, thingy prices. What do you call the things that go with a component prices? Component stuff, prices. Like thank you. Prices stuff, have yeah. have have gone down as technology technology has improved. I mean, yes. The, the the processing power has gone up to some extent, but if you look at like 
hard disk prices as a, as a, as a standard bearer, right? You used to be able to get 30 megabytes that cost you 100 pounds back in the uh, on your hard disk, and everyone used to think that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Now you can get like a, a two terabytes for 50 quid now. I mean, you know, it's really hard to compare like for like it, it is, in yeah. that kind of sense. So I kind of see what you're saying, but and so like, and that's, that's why I wanted to put it as a talking point because I wouldn't say I agree with my own argument on every single cent of it right like my my rebuttal to everything that you've just said would i would then be in turn i'd be turned around and saying yeah the playstation was for me when i was what in 1995 right it was it was for me it was for a kid these playstation 5s they're not they're not for children no. anymore the way they are they're still for children but they're also a mainstream item yeah. right they're being bought by adults they're being manufactured they're targeted for towards people with, adult market. with an actual um, and also i'd argue that the value of those products away from the money right in terms of how valuable are video games to us kind of like culturally and sociologically as well as economically like that's all that that needs to be taken into account um but yeah like, I, I i like throwing that out there because i always think the inflation arguments are a really interesting one where i'm always like hey you're not paying much more now for what's coming out on i don't even know what the launch titles are for these games i, I know spider-man's coming but that that kind of shoots me in the foot because that is a 39 <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say game. Uh, <laughs> um, which i guess kind of makes my point right like you could get a launch game for the snes for 39 dollars. you can get spider-man miles morales for 39 dollars. you cannot tell me even with time accounting that spider-man's the same game as mario <laughs> like Matt, here's it but Go on, sir. there is then obviously labor and design and everything else that goes into it is that game more valuable than mario no there's pretty much no video game arguably ever (coughs) than mario but it's a weird one it just it always strikes me right because i like i play a lot of video games and i don't want to have to pay more for video games but also how many times do we have the conversation that me and you just had 15 20 minutes ago not even that 10 minutes ago right about labor and about the investment and about the time like it's not like movies where people are watching the oscars every year like jeff Keighley tries but people are watching the oscars a lot more than they're watching the game awards mm-hmm. like the work that goes into these games there's like, no doubt there's absolutely no doubt that the cost of making games is probably different to what it was then you know you have huge teams yeah. the, the thing that the thing that gets me is all right you can have the argument that prices of games need to go up to support these uh, costs. Think about marketing costs alone. I mean, they must be huge, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the same with films. The reason films cost more is now because they just do more marketing than they used to, right? I mean, the market. Yeah. I mean, obviously, making films has got to go, has got to cost more as well. But like, uh, if you look at, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, yeah, the cost of the, the cost so of yeah, the, so seventy. It's talking about seventy quid uh, a game now for the next generation on the PS Five. That's what they're saying is going to be the average price of a game. So when we talk about what we were talking about earlier with your EAs and your uh, your two Ks putting adverts in a game to monetize it, or you talk about loot boxes, how could you justify charging seventy quid for a game to say that they're covering the costs of the development team and also say? We need to generate more income for our games. With yeah. this. There's, there's no way they can do it. They're shooting themselves in the foot because if I bought a game for seventy pounds and then was treated to a non-skippable advert in it, 
that that's yeah. just that's that's control yeah, that's, that's going to cost me more in a controller than it is uh, uh anything else you know <laughs> there's, there's going to yeah, be some yeah. controllers so, because that's just outrageous at that point because you know there, there's and something else we've talked about before the argument about digital games versus physical games right you know when you take away your distribution costs your physical printing costs your reproduction costs for the for the, the discs and you're still charging 70 quid for a digital game well i know the server infrastructure costs money but then that's what the the place you know the 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 xbox live and psn subscriptions yeah. are for you know that's what you're meant to be subscribing to so the the argument for saying that games aren't expensive enough in order to cover the costs of development are becoming less and less applicable as you look at all these other outside factors i don't know whether yeah you can... and the fact that the games make so much money as well and like that's where it's really hard to quantify right well you can't tell me that the game that those people are struggling under horrible working conditions because the game isn't expensive enough because how much of that money do i really think is gonna go back to those developers right how much of that is going to make its way back to the yeah, team yeah. probably none yeah. of it I imagine you'll pocket the difference and the team will stay in the same conditions, which is a different conversation for another time, right? I imagine there's elements of unionism and, and protection for developers and stuff that probably need to need to be had as well. Mm. But yeah, I, I think it's I think it's always an ex, an interesting conversation because the other one that I hear a lot is the whole cinema ticket thing, yeah. right? Oh, you, you're happy to pay a tenner for a cinema ticket, a fiver for a cinema ticket for a couple of hours. Well, how much... How much are you expected to pay, and how much is comfortable for you to pay for two hundred hours of games? Yeah, you true, know, true, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, where does that stop? Are you going to pay a pound an hour? Pound an hour doesn't seem unreasonable, especially by cinema standards. Two pounds for a cinema ticket is incredibly cheap. Mm. You're going to pay two hundred pounds for a game? I don't think so, right? Or if if I take, I've mentioned it before, right? So, so my girlfriend plays a lot of Animal Crossing, an unreasonable amount. 300 hours of animal crossing this that i just Doesn't... i'm just gonna say just you've just said on the podcast that your girlfriend plays an unreasonable amount an unreasonable amount okay. of it she has played she doesn't she's not she's easing up on it i mean don't get me wrong pot kettle i play about i've played about 200 hours of animal crossing and all the other games that i've played so <laughs> that's to be digging into account as well but let's say that for an example right so not me, not you, not necessarily one of our listeners that are playing games every day or thinking about games and talking about games every single game like they, they like we are. Maybe not a casual gamer as in a mobile gamer, but a little more relaxed of a player. Is that person going to be comfortable going, cool, well, I've got to put £250 down on a console for that game, and then I've got to spend another, what, £300, £550 for Animal Crossing? Yeah. But then you do the math and you justify it whichever way you want. And I think that's why it's an interesting conversation. Is I, I hear people say that a lot. Where it's like, oh, well, you're happy spending you know, a fiver on, on a movie ticket. You know? You're happy, cool. How many hours do you spend watching Netflix a month? Well, you only pay a tenner a month for Netflix. So what does Game Pass do to this conversation? The, 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 you pay 15 quid for Game Pass. I was about Pass. to say what happens with Game Pass and the subscription-based services. There's, a, there's also a big assumption that we're making here as well. Just... just a step back for a second and this applies to i think the film industry as well most of the people who work on films and games they're not being paid 
on a royalty basis, are they? They're not get if the game sells ten copies or it sells a thousand copies, they're not going to get a reflective pay on that. You know, it's not no realistic. I mean, I think depend some companies depending on units stole will probably have bonus schemes in place. I'd hope so because you know you think about the fact that they'll. They'll have put like sort of. Think about Cyberpunk at the moment. Everyone, everyone in the industry knows what's going on at that studio. They, all, everyone knows. Yeah. It's not, it's not pleasant. But so you know, I, who knows what you know what they are getting out of it? Are they going to get paid extra if the game sells kajillions, which they're saying it will? I don't know. If it, yeah. if they're charging seventy quid as opposed to fifty quid, are they going to see the bonus of that extra twenty quid per game? Well, I mean, we, we've talked before, right, about like how difficult that can be when you can work on an incredible game. The game can come out and be unbelievable. But uh, Titanfall Two, yeah, they, they, an incredible product. Like Great the, the, game. when they crossed the finish line, went, this is a fantastic game, and it got released in between, sandwiched in between two massive first-person shooters, which meant that game didn't hit anywhere near the target that they probably expected initially, which means that they probably never got a bonus. Yeah, which right? is totally unfair. But then you know. Or elements of a bonus anyway, they probably missed out. It's, it's that, you know, doing around footballers get paid loads of money, right? But they're going to sign on and they're going to sign on to go, cool, well, you'll get more money if you play this many games. You'll get more money if you score this many goals. But if you're not being put in the game and you're not being put in the match to play, you're then not gonna get those. you're not going to get that bonus, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And when you're not also when you're also not earning 200 grand a week like a footballer is, that stings. You know, that's when you're probably exhausted and fried and crying every other night because you don't know how you're going to get up and go on the next project and then they go cool you're not getting the bonus that you've been working for this whole time either uh, you can see why lots of developers go independent i mean i know any that in itself is also a struggle a constant battle for independent developers but at least you have control over you know what's what's yeah. happening with your games yeah. you can you can see what, almost how the industry has blossomed in that sense in the indie sense i guess off the back of this um, yeah, you know, it almost feels to me like you need somebody that, you know, we said earlier, oh, is it a problem with people not in industry, not understanding how to develop? And it's like, yeah, there's definitely an element of that, but is there a flip side to that as well? Where like maybe that's kind of what this industry needs. Maybe having a creative genius who knows how to make the world of cyberpunk come to life is one thing to run the show, but maybe that guy setting standards and scheduling. And realistically, having to manage the expectations for finances and stuff, maybe that's not the guy, mm. right? Like the thing that blew my mind. So I, I, I'm sure you talked about the cyberpunk thing when it happened, and, and if you didn't, then we know that it's been going on, right? But the idea that they came out, like they approached publishers and, and websites to say, "Cool, we don't do crunch anymore. We did it for Witcher. That sucked. It was horrible. That. We're not yeah. doing it." They, and not just they said it, they seeked out the press coverage to publicly make sure that, that message went out. Then it happened again, and then there was a delay. It happened again, and you're like, "Uh oh!" And then there's another delay, and you're like, "Uh oh!" And then they hit crunch, assuming that they weren't in a form of crunch already for the entirety of that delay, they right? Were, of course, they were. Yeah, and at that point, you're thinking, like, "Right, who's steering the ship?" Right, and sure, they're getting a product out. Maybe they need somebody to rein them in a little bit because that can't be fair. And, you know, maybe that is the money people. Like, maybe there is an element of the money people having to turn around and go, "Well, look." Well, we're willing to put the money down, but we need a decent framework for what you're doing here and realistic targets. Or maybe there's somebody between money and creative that manages that. I don't know. Is, and I'm sure there are studios out there that do it well. But Is there a, an element also missing of it'll be done when it gets done? 
you know, like I know that doesn't work with everything, but like I think about id back in the day, and they just they said, yeah, we're going to do Doom, and it's going to come out when we get it done, and I know there was deadline set in the end because you, it's really hard to not set a deadline for something, yeah. but you know, are those deadlines being set by the people working on stuff? Are they being set by, like you say, some people higher up? And they delayed it twice, but if they delayed it twice, they probably didn't have their timings right in the first place. Well, yeah, they were obviously way off from. And they clearly, one. if they're crunching, they're, they're still got their time timings off. Yeah, and I feel like it. it it was in between sort of the, this story and the initial kind of delay that you sat here and things like, oh, well, this has been taken out of the game and they've decided they're not doing this anymore. You know, I think back to Spider-Man when that came out and initially you got what we now know is probably the PlayStation 5 version of the game with the big puddles and the reflections and ray tracing. Puddle gate. <laughs> and then when the game came out, it didn't quite look like that, right? And I don't know, like I've... Like I've worked on enough kind of, I'm not a developer, right? But I've worked on creative projects. I do a lot of writing and things. And there is always a thing of any project you've got, you've always got a chunk of folders that is like final edit, final edit two, final edit three, final edit four. Mm. <laughs> like that's kind of part of it, right? It's just knowing when to put it down and let go. And maybe that's an element of it. Well, it's, it's really hard. And that's kind of the shame of it is I don't know how you get the stories out there. Well, who's... Is this a, a tyrannical creative madman <laughs> with, you know, Doc Brown hair forcing everybody cracking the whip because his masterpiece can't come out and finish? Why Doc Brown hair? Is it industry people? I don't know. It just seemed applicable. Like I, I, I guess Frankenstein was sort of where I went. Not Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein. but Frankenstein. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah. But then I went to Doc Brown for some reason. Just big crazy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I don't know, and I don't know where where the money thing comes in on that, right? Because it's not like there's enough. On one hand, again, you look at, well, this is how much games used to cost, and this is how much they cost now. But the thing is, they're considerably more expensive to make now than they used to be. Yeah. And inflation, and everything else. Well, the money isn't there. But then also, I, I, as much as I agree that, yeah, maybe games aren't as expensive as they should be, maybe they haven't adjusted with the reality of the industry. Mm. But it's not like the money isn't there. Mm. The money's there, right? At least for the big companies, the money's there. I, there's also... To, uh, the, surely the tools are much more sophisticated than they used to be. I know you, you you don't just you know a developer used to just draw their own graphics, make their own sound effects, and I know now you need sound engineers, you need directors for your cutscenes, and you need you need someone to do the models, you need someone to do the lighting, and uh, all sorts of artists and and all sorts. It gets much more yeah. complicated than it used to be, but the tools are there to make things easier. So you got to wonder whether or whether at some point it starts scaling back down again. Because if you've got 10 animators working on most... I'm just picking a random number here. If most yeah. games these days need 10 animators, then why would they need 20 animators in 10 years? Wouldn't they just need better tools? I don't know. That would be my approach. I, I, I am with you. Do you know right? what I'm trying like, to say? I just, yeah, I absolutely understand exactly what you're trying to say, right? So like, I've had this conversation with you where you know I... I went to school to study film and then kind of realized halfway through, like, ah, I should have gone into video game development. Don't wrong, you hear stories like this, and I'm pretty glad I did. Yeah. But, like, as I'm getting older now, and I'm like, cool, I think I know if I wanted to make a video game what my video game would look like. I just don't know how to do that. And how much of that is, ugh, I need about $300 million and a team of geniuses <laughs> to make this happen for me. A team of geniuses. Or do, I, do you hold on to that? And do you just kind of 
wait for that idea to vest a little bit and you get to a point where the tools are a little bit easier. You know, I look at, um, so Media Molecule, right? They put together Dreams, Dreams yeah. which Dreams is very much half game, half game engine. It's, it's I, weird. I think, I think like, it's mostly that, game engine. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at that and I was like, that's cool. And I tried it and I'm like, this still isn't very intuitive. It's much more intuitive than any other engine that I've ever tried to play about with before. Because mm-hmm. it's it's more visceral and, and it just sort of makes sense a little bit. And intuitive's the only word really to use to describe it. And maybe that's it. Maybe there's a version of Unreal that is super high-end, Unreal 10, amazing, do whatever you want. And then maybe there's a Unreal for babies, Unreal for idiots version that I can go, cool. I can sit there and like, I can't innovate what a video game is here, but I can make a video game that looks pretty decent on my own. And when you get to that point, you know, it, it's like, you know, the costs are just then. And all of a sudden you kind of go, well, if that's the case and it's only one guy making it and the game is 20 hours and he's done it all on his own, I'm not giving that guy 60 bucks. Get out of here. Like, no way. So, you know, you kind of work yeah. out, you work it well, out so yourself there, I suppose. The guy who made Stardew Valley did that all on his own. I mean, you know, it was pretty much a solo, I think. Wasn't uh, Spelunky as well? Uh, yeah. Spelunky is a similar but story, I'm saying. There's, 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 in, there's indie games out there that have been, I mean, they're not like 100% solo, solo efforts, but they're like mostly yeah. one person's vision and one person's implementing various different parts of it. It can be done. There's a Mike, Mike, Mike uh, what's his name? Yeah, Mike Bethel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a... Yeah, Thomas was alone, and yeah. well, I think even now he's mostly on his own, mostly right? For mostly, own, I think yeah. he probably has he has voice actors he works with and stuff. Like Super Giant, I've been playing a lot of. We've talked about Hades and, oh, Hades, and Bastion yeah. and stuff. They're you know they're not a one man team, but they're a small mm. team. And Hades is a fantastic game. You know, I've, I played more Hades than I think I have any first party. I've, you know, I've played more Hades than I have Ghost of Shima. Uh, really? I still haven't got it yet. I yeah, I think so. I love Ghost of Shima as well. That's not a slam on Ghost of Shima. It's just Hades is really, really good. Right. Um, it. I know it's been on my list for a couple of weeks since it was recommended. But anyway. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, we agree games aren't priced correctly. They are, they're not priced correctly. They are too expensive. They're not expensive enough. They are in between those things. You should look after the people that make. I think the the wide the, the <laughs> wide the wider thing. issue is, are people getting paid the right amount of money? Yeah, I tell you what, I tell you what, I'll 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 put a a closing statement on my okay. idea. Okay? Right. okay, okay. If if we can properly get some kind of unionization together for video game developers, I'll willingly play eighty dollars a game. Okay, All right there you go. Right. Let let video game developers unionize properly. You can charge me more. I don't I'm with you. Uh, on that note. All right. Um, changing the world. We are changing the world. We're fixing the world. With our empty promises and demands. Hey, they're not empty promises, but they are demands. Anyway, uh, we're going to be right back with our recommendation of the week. <laughs> we really watched that for ages. Anyway, uh, right. So, recommendations of the week. Um did I see you when I was talking about this game before? Were you there? I was talking to someone. So my recommendation of the week is the first-person shooter. It's an old, oldie, uh, Fear. And I don't know why they... I guess because they wanted to make it a really cool acronym. It was F.E.A.R. It was something like first... First something... Air, it was something, something military-like, you know. Yeah. Did you ever play it? Oh, well, this, is this the one with... with... I was about to say, is this the horror game with the little girl? Yeah. 
So it that's every horror. Well, game it was it was horrors. released but, um, peak Japanese. You know that whole Japanese horror, The Ring, uh, yeah, The Grudge. You know the, the peak Japanese horror. This game was released. Say so it had a small girl with long black hair featuring the game. I was talking to someone about this game the other day. I thought it was you. Maybe it wasn't. Um, I, I mean, there's a particular bit in this game. Oh, well, yeah, it was uh, it was a closing night. There was a few people in there who'd play the game. There's a particular bit in the game where you... They had an animation when you used to walk down and lad- go down a ladder. It was like, a, you know, you couldn't control... For a second, the character would just swivel around and go down the ladder. It was just a really small animation sequence. Every ladder in the game did that. There's one particular part of the game where you're swinging down a ladder, and as you're swinging down a ladder, right in front of you is this girl <laughs> just appears and then you go down the ladder and you go back up the ladder she's not there <laughs> it's that is so so this is really weird that you brought this up so um i was with a bunch of people just a couple of days ago and they were talking and this this does become relevant i swear but they were talking about i don't play a lot of call of duty there's there's a zombie moment oh, yeah, or no, some no, kind of zombie yeah. thing happening in call of duty at the minute right and they were saying in it you've got these chests loot chests i imagine um, and you go and you open it up and it's always the same animation over and over again. But once in a blue moon and like once in a blue, blue moon, a zombie will pop up and grab you. And that they've all been going, They've so they play in a group. They've all been experiencing this one at a time and not telling people why they screamed. <laughs> so it's like it happened to like one of them. And then a few weeks later, it happened to the next <laughs> one. He was like, that's why. And I always think like that. that's like genius game design. It is, yeah. I always think about... Um, Arkham Knight as well. There's a whole thing with the man bat where you grapple up to the edge of buildings over and over again in that game. You'll do it at one point, and as you get over the top, out of nowhere, there's just man bat there in your face. You're like, whoa! And you've been lulled into a false sense of security by this repeated animation. Absolutely. Like, that's something that, like, that can only happen in a video game. Yeah. Because yeah. if they made you watch the same thing 150 times in a movie, you turn the <laughs> movie off before you got to the punchline, right? Um, I, I mean, I, f- yeah. I feel like I've spoiled a very scary part of that game, but there were actually quite a lot of scary parts of the game. It was actually also quite a good shooter with a few good mechanics. So um, it's probably quite hard to get hold of now. I don't imagine it's on the Steam store or anything like that. If it is, go and get it. It's, uh, it's spooky season right now. It's, it's I thoroughly recommend it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably dated in terms of graphics now, but... It, they did have two sequels as well, which you know were okay when it's good. Um, That's a bit. I imagine they gradually got more and more action. Yeah, yes, as tends to be the case, case at the time. Case, right? yeah. It's still a great yeah. game. I'm gonna just type it in. Yeah, I'm just having a look now to see if it is still available on Steam. Um, someone's typed "Fear Game PS4" on my uh, search history. I felt like it was PS3, but I could be wrong. No, no, it's PS2, I, feel like I, remember I think, that game even, maybe. PS2, maybe, really? Maybe, I could be wrong. Because it's a game, as with most kind of horror games, it's a game that I remember people playing, but I don't think I ever played myself. Oh, I've got the full acronym if anyone's interested. First Encounter Assault Recon. It's like they just got some words that sounded cool and put them together. <laughs> um, um, it is available on Steam, yeah, it's available on Steam for... The low, low price of thirty-five ninety-six. Are you joking? Yeah. This is a game that is uh, weird. At least PS3 as well. Fear, yeah. Fear is thirty-five ninety-six. Fear two Project Origin, it's a tenner. Fear three is twelve ninety-nine. 
they know which one's working and which one isn't. Uh, <laughs> they're acutely aware of what's Two, happening. That there. game is 15 years old. 15 years old. In fact, it's 15 years old this month. Wow. There you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, October. Well, that makes sense if it came out in, yeah, 17th of October 20, 2005. You know what? Like, it doesn't look too dated. It looks. Well, it's, PS- All right. it's actually more recent than I realised. It's PS3 era. So, But then when you say PS3 it's era and it's 15 years old, that sounds kind of crazy. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. Re- that's my recommendation of the week, anyway. Um, Tom, what is your recommendation of the week? We have discussed um, my one already this week. So, uh, uh, Ghost of Tsushima Legends. So, if you haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, first of all, that's been a recommendation of the week from me before. It's a great game. Um, play it. It's, it's a great kind of samurai based RPG. Um, it's when the Mongols attack a Japanese island and, and you're the guy that's got to go and sort of fight for it back. Um, play Kurosawa mode in it, it's fantastic. Uh, but Legend specifically, um, it's, I think it's a great time if you've finished that game, you've played that game. I know a lot of people played it and loved it and then they kind of went away because that tends to be the way that a lot of these first party PlayStation games especially, they don't have a they have a value and replayability but it is very much the same thing again. Um, but no, Legends is fantastic, man. Like I, I jumped in uh, with my friend Kev we went in, we played it for maybe three, four hours in just the story mode. So that tends to be a two-player mode of you and a friend going through. And, you know, I played as a samurai, he played as a ninja. And we got that moment. I'll Actually, I'll post it up on my Twitter just so if anybody wants to go find it. But it's that moment where I'm playing through and like, this is cool, man. Like, we're playing and we're doing the same thing at the same time. And pretty much as I did that, I did the whole kind of, you know, jump off a cliff animation. Mm-hmm. And it was two guys. And as I went down, he also came down simultaneously, bang in sync. It was perfectly timed. You're like... This is cool. Like, this is when, like, when you're playing Ghost of Tsushima, going, this would be cool if I could play it with a friend. Like, that's, that's the kind of thing that you look for. Okay. Um, so yeah, they've got those kind of like linear. It's what they call a story mode, but the story is very, very loose to be honest, yeah, as it tends to be with yeah, multiplayer. Of course. Um, they've got a survival mode in there as well, which you can do with up to four players. Uh, what I will say to their benefit is, we had three of us playing, and we tended to go samurai, archer, um, assassin. And it would always matchmakers with with a Ronin, with the fourth class, so that it was always well balanced. So matchmaking for that game has been fantastic. They do have um, raids. Did, I think the raids have just dropped. Did, did they teach invisibility in this game as well? Because you have just disappeared from our view. It looks like I have. Yeah, give me a second. I'm I'm going to keep talking. Keep talking. Yeah, right. Yeah. So actually, um, quite quite apropos. <laughs> uh, one of the so you all have your own kind of special skills and moves and stuff in mm-hmm. it, and the assassin dude. His one is that he can turn the whole group invisible. Which there you is pretty go. Awesome. Nice, nice. Is, is it basically a smoke bomb type thing? Oh, you're back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I'm, I've got to reframe, but I am back. Uh, no, it's, it's literally like it's you know, part of the assassin. Um, it's crazy. You're floating around the arcade world. This guy's moving around. <laughs> yeah. Like, really, yeah. I don't know. One of the assassin moves is that he can just make the whole team invisible. And like the samurai has one, which is a kind of multi dash. The archer has a multi-arrow and then the Ronin has a like a rev special ability okay. uh, but no they've got raids coming up um it, it's good you know it's a lot of fun it is ghost of Tsushima with friends but it, it's structured in a way that it's quite enjoyable to be able to just jump in and, and play okay, cool. so i would strongly recommend all right uh so fear and ghost of legends sorry ghost of Tsushima legends uh our <laughs> recommendations of the week Cool. Um, all right, I'm just going to quickly talk about, uh, before we wrap up, I'm going to talk about what's happening on the Arcade Vaults uh, online. Give this a bit. Okay, um, so we are in a weird place at the moment with the Arcade Vaults. We are shut because of the five-break lockdown in Wales, but we're only shut for two weeks. Um, 
So we are going to kind of try and do more online stuff again. Um, it's, it's something that we couldn't really maintain while we were back in the arcade because we were trying to keep that up and running and now we're back to lockdown so we're going to go back to doing online. We're going to try and find the right balance on this stuff. But we have got a lot of things coming up in the next two weeks. So we're going to start with a Fall Guys stream. And we are being bang on trend with these games because we hear the other two as well that we're going to be streaming. We're all on trend. So Fall Guys, that's going to happen on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, we're leaning into the horror theme. Um, I'm not sure about this. I'm a little bit nervous. But uh, have you heard of Phasmophobia? I've seen a bunch of people playing it. Yeah. I know it's it's very in vogue. Yeah, it is in vogue. Um, it's Halloween. It as looks well. horrifying. It looks horrifying. I've still not even picked up Resident Evil Seven again <sighs> since the last time. I've I've not even uh, for my sins as much as I want to. I've still not managed to get all the way through Made of Skur. Uh, that's that's um, actually uh, that's well. Um, I, I am thinking about doing a playthrough of that, but for the moment we're definitely scheduled in Fall Guys and Phasmophobia. Um, I am playing with Sarah and Jody. Uh, I just don't do horror very well, man. I don't, it just makes me very uncomfortable. This, this, this one was going to make me very uncomfortable. You watch it. You can join in if you like as well. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Sure. I'll, I'll, no, I'm good. I'll work at him. Uh, anyway. I'll, I'll meet you in the middle, right? You guys can play Phasmophobia. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll play, I don't know, like Medieval or something. They did a remaster of Medieval for the old PlayStation 1 okay. one. Okay. Was that scary? There you go. I'll... I'll all right, that's that's a game I play. <laughs> well, Friday. That's nice, kid friendly. Friday, uh, we are going to be doing uh, our quiz, which was originally going to be in person on Saturday, but we've moved it to the Friday, and we're doing it online. There will be Halloween rounds, music rounds, the usual rounds to test thing. Your your brains just come on to YouTube or Twitch or uh, the other one, Facebook Live, any of those. You'll find us on there, and uh, yeah, join in yeah. for free. Um, we are also, again, bang on trend. We are probably at some point next week going to run uh, Among Us game. Now, I'm not quite sure the logistics of this yet, but we have discovered that there's at least five or six of us who haven't actually played it yet. So we are all going to play it together for the first time on stream. Um, that's the plan anyway. So, yeah, that's next week. I don't know when it is. Uh, we've also got a very surprise a surprise video coming from Sarah. I won't tell you about that yet. Uh, she is going to be doing something slightly different. <laughs> and, uh, and then we are going to be reopening on November the 11th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, you'll hear more about what's happening next week with the streams from us next week because we're back on the podcast case. Uh, and that's kind of it, really. Um, there's not much else going on. Uh, I've got anything, Tom? Anything the arcade faulty that I should mention? Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just good to be back. Right? It's good, good to be, to be back, doing yeah. the podcast again. Yeah, it's a, it's just a weird one, you know. Um, especially across the rest of UK, where, you know, I, I guess a lot of people aren't going to be dealing with it. But in our local area, it's really odd at the minute, where it felt like you're back to not not normal, but a version of normal, and then. It's- it all shuts down again. I think it's going to be a bit like that, isn't it? It's going to be a it's bit be stop starting. Yeah. So for the whole country for a little while. So, um, but yeah, I think you know we we managed to pick it back up. We like uh like riding a bike, mate. It is like riding a bike. Straight back on. We were back into it. We're back on the. I would say back on the wagon, but that's normally a bad thing, right? Uh, we're, we're back on the broad. Yeah, no. There's something we're back on. We're back on it. We got a rhythm. You, you, we got a rhythm. 
you, people probably listening and watching have noticed as well that there's just the two of us this week. Uh, that's mostly because we are we are getting back on the bandwagon or something wagony that isn't bad. Uh, we should we're doing stuff. Yeah, we're doing stuff. We will have, we'll have a guest on next week. We hope possibly. Uh, if not, one of the other team will be on board with us and you know offset our ramblings with their ramblings of their own. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of it, really. Uh, I guess uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, or here, you see can listen time. to us next time. Uh, Tom, yeah. as always. Social media and stuff for all the things. Oh, yeah, and uh, keep an eye on our Patreon. We will be doing something on there. I know we've neglected it. Oh, we yeah. have neglected it a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, we will be doing stuff on there. Um, you shall see. <laughs> uh, and on that note, Tom, uh, good to catch up with you. And we shall see you all next week on the Arcade Vaults podcast. See you, everyone. Later.